The podcast is also sponsored by my good friend Tiger at It's Tiger Music on Instagram at itztiger.music. You can find all his work on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. He does all the music and tracks for the Block Hash podcast. Go check him out. Also, don't forget to check out Blockhash Plus on Patreon. This is something that's new, where you can learn more about trading, technical analysis, and charting, all for the price of two cups of coffee a month. That's pretty damn cheap. Sign up at patreon.com slash Blockhash. And last but definitely not least, Blockhash is offering consulting for all your blockchain needs. Buying, exchanging, selling, safe storage, tokenization, NFT creation, point of sale, you name it. We can help you. Go to blockhashpodcast.com slash consulting and let's talk. What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, March 24th, episode 119. And today I have Rob Vigilione, CEO and co-founder of Horizon. What is Horizon, you might ask? Well, it is the world's most secure, interoperable blockchain ecosystem, ensuring data integrity and privacy freedom. Don't worry, Rob and I discuss this in detail and everything that Horizon is hoping to achieve in the near future and where they are going. Rob is a former physicist, mathematician, military officer, so pretty much he's a badass, so you guys are going to like him. So at this point, be sure to subscribe if you have not already and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, crypto, Horizon, and Rob himself. Enjoy. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how are you doing? How's your week? Good. It's uh, super busy, but all, all good in Zenland. Good, good. Where are you based, actually? I'm calling in from Puerto Rico. Oh, that's cool. Why, why Puerto Rico? Well, we have a big crypto community here, uh, so I'm, I'm uh, very fortunate yeah. to be part of that. And just to, to know, we actually do have uh, the majority of our engineering team in Milan, Italy. So we kind of we're split between the U.S. Uh, and Italy for the like, core core teams, that, and then distributed all over the world beyond that. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. I heard Puerto Rico's uh, very pretty. It's one of those places I got to get to at some point. Um, but yeah, anyways, yeah, happy to have you on the pod. Yeah, happy to have you on the podcast and everything. Tell me uh, a little bit about yourself and your background. I'm sure my audience is curious uh, to, you know, how you got into the space and what really piqued your interest in wanting to be involved. Sure. So I, I'm the CEO of Horizon Labs, a blockchain software development company that specializes in privacy technology, in particular, zero knowledge proofs. Uh, also co-founder of Horizon, the public blockchain was uh, Zencash back in 2017 when we launched. Uh, and I came out of academia, actually. So I was getting my PhD in finance, uh, actually focusing my research in Bitcoin and, and crypto finance, really. And uh, before that, I, I came out of the military world. I was in uh, a physicist mathematician for the Air Force and did a bunch of work in uh, Air Force Space Command, working on satellites, launch vehicles, military intelligence, a variety of things that made for an interesting early part of my career. Yeah, that's that's an interesting dynamic background. I wasn't really expecting that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I got into Bitcoin while I was in Afghanistan. Uh, well, I, I mean, I was telling all my friends and family that this is the future before mm -hmm. that. 
But uh, it was really while I was there that I started getting active in the Bitcoin community and just kind of evangelizing Bitcoin in, mm-hmm. you know, in Afghanistan and just teaching people how to set up wallets. What, what, what is this crazy Bitcoin thing? It's not a scam. You know, here's how to participate in different ways. Uh, that's what really got me into it. And then that afforded me the opportunity to leave that first part of my career and go back to academia and uh, focus on research. Nice. How were you able to buy Bitcoin in Afghanistan? Like, was it really a thing back then? Or were you like one of the first people to buy it there? So I was doing it back then. The majority of my Bitcoin came from uh, Mt. Gox. And um, also when I was when I would take my R&R, um, rest and relaxation, basically my leave, I would go go back home and I would I would do local Bitcoins back then. Take envelopes full of cash and buy Bitcoin and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hot all away. Nice, nice. Yeah, local Bitcoins are still around. It's still a thing, especially uh, here in Colombia. Everyone likes to do all that arbitrage trading still because the premiums are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But hey, it's a great alternative for people who just need to uh, use cash and get Bitcoin. Tell me a little bit about Horizon. Um, I am familiar with it a little bit. I, I followed it like way back when it was actually Zencash years ago, um, yeah. but I haven't been up to date on it the last uh, couple of years or so, because, you know, that whole crypto winner thing and everyone's you know, attention kind of dropped off. Yep. Um, but yep. yeah, tell me a little bit about it and progression. Yeah. So it's uh, a very interesting story. We bootstrapped in 2017 uh, during actually just dumb luck. We, we didn't plan it um, during the 2017 bull run that was going on. The idea was to improve Mm -hmm. two aspects of the Bitcoin ecosystem. One was get better economics. And and by better, I really just mean sustainable and and recognizing that there are many people that contribute to a cryptocurrency ecosystem to make it successful, not just miners. Um, Obviously, miners are extremely important, but also are people who run full copies of the software, are people who develop software, are people who do podcasts like this, right? There are many different types of people that contribute. And the idea is to be a sustainable economy, you should reward contribution on the margin. Uh, so that was, that was step one. And we kind of carved out different parts of the block subsidy for different stakeholders. The first and probably the most obviously successful part was we, we carved out a part of the block reward for people that run software, you know, run nodes of the, of the software. And that got us, I think now we're over 45,000 full nodes on our network. Um, so we, we have a very successful infrastructure the second part was actually scaling privacy and taking the zero knowledge proofs and from Zcash tech stack, SNARKs, and then extending them not from just being coin transfer, but from thinking about arbitrary data privacy and you know other things that you can do. And the fundamental idea, and, and this is right now behind Verizon, is blockchains, like the, the value proposition for blockchain is providing like information integrity, right? You've got on Bitcoin, integrity of value transfer on Ethereum, you know, integrity of state transitions on smart contracts. For Horizon, with zero knowledge proofs, we're extending the set of things that people might be comfortable putting on a public ledger because there's actual you know, strong encryption behind it, you know, using zero knowledge cryptography. So, you know, from there, the big evolution for Horizon has been actually launching the first decentralized uh, sidechain protocol called Zendu that replaces all humans in the loop with sophisticated um, cryptographic circuits. And instead of having like validators or trusted third parties that run trusted validators that you know, allow sidechains to exist, 
we actually have a, a completely permissionless sidechain mm -hmm. system that anyone could take our SDK, launch their own sidechain to Horizon, and actually get developing. Yeah, it's really cool. What's what's the main benefit? Is it just the the strong encryption like behind the behind it with the zk snarks? Yeah. So if you want to look at like main benefit, it's uh, privacy technology that we offer. Privacy tech that scales. And just as a simple example, with our, our V1 sidechain system that now is on testnet, and this year we're migrating to mainnet. This is going to be a really big deal for us. Our our biggest software delivery, and what you get out of the box is, even with V1, is something like, you know, capacity constraints would be something like a thousand sidechains that could be running in parallel, you know, to our mainnet. Imagine that a thousand blockchains in sync with each other mm -hmm. in this blockchain and blockchains ecosystem. That, if you aggregate transaction throughput, is something like a million, you know, transactions per block. They, they could, in theory, you know, be part of this type of system. So you've got massive mm -hmm. scale. And at each of the sidechains, these are proof of stake sidechains. They come with ZKP tech embedded into the SDK. So you can actually tailor custom zero knowledge circuits to have your data application secure with this type of strong privacy. Yeah, that's crazy. When, when is that slated to come out? Do you guys have like a specific date for that? Or is it just kind of like sometime at the end of year? Or? Yeah, so I mean, we're booking this as uh, getting the first part to, and we're delivering some two chunks. The first chunk, is going to be delivered with the core protocol capability and like a simple uh, SDK is being delivered in Q3. And I've noticed that you guys have like a lot of different stuff on your website, like a vast amount of different types of products. Um, like which of those are like relatively new or which of those are you guys, you know, pushing the most or that are the most popular? Because um, I saw the... Um, Hold on, let me just pull it up while I'm talking to you. Because <laughs> I saw the, what's it called? Let's go through this. Um, you, yeah, all the different ways to earn Zen with mining and running nodes and bounties and being able to spend them. And then like under products, you had obviously sidechains, which you mentioned, and the Zen nodes and Sphere by Horizon and this Academy thing. Like you guys seem to have a lot going on. Is that just to like, test the market and see what's, you know, works best with Horizon or do you have demand for all those things? We do. And, you know, this is one reflection of we've been around for four years now as a blockchain project feels like forever. Um, but it, it's a community driven project. Mm -hmm. you know, it's such a large active community that's always doing different types of things. But if you if you look at like two core groups of products is the way that I look at it is one is we've got Zen, the cryptocurrency. And, and for Zen, you know, you have these, these mm -hmm. currency related products like wallets, tutorials, how do you use it, how do you stake it and different things like that. On the developer side, we have a whole suite of products like focused on the SDK, the software developer kit, um, so that or software development kit, so that you can launch your own blockchain using our sidechain technology. And then around this, we have a whole bunch of like developer related products like our Horizon Developer Environment, HDE, which is really like a bounty program on steroids. And then we have tons of other ways that developers can participate in, in our open source products, tutorials, documentation, how they can actually grab the SDK and build their own blockchain applications. So there's, there's a lot to it. And you're building this, I wear one hat, which is you know the CEO of a software company and we're building a product that we need product market fit because we have investors, right? 
On the other hand, we're a community-driven ecosystem, right. and we're always trying to build these things that the community wants. Yeah, and I've also noticed that um, yeah, you guys have been proof of work for a long time too, and uh, been like in mining. Are you guys uh, looking to potentially switch from mining as it's kind of starting to get to be a bit outdated, I guess, in the industry? Or does it work really well for you guys having that part of your ecosystem? So it works very well right now. Uh, I, I wouldn't you know, put it past the community deciding some years from now that maybe would switch to a different type of you know, uh, consensus. But for now, the main chain for Horizon mm -hmm. is, is proof of work using Equihash. Right now, the side chains are all proof of stake. So this is kind of like you can look at our hybridization of our ecosystem, where now you know anyone can just grab grab the, the toolkit, launch their blockchain, build their applications, and you know, actually a lot of our product market fit is serving the rest of the blockchain industry by providing services for them that they don't really have right now. But I mean that's all on the proof of stake side. So actually, the way I see this ecosystem evolving is straddling that you know hybrid model. For now, and the way that we're kind of decentralizing mm -hmm. our governance, I, I leave those big macro decisions for how we're going to change the protocol to the community. And you know, I want to have a credible voting system so we can really gauge that sentiment and not just have it driven by the loudest people. When you say like a hybrid type of system, like what do you what do you mean exactly? Like, is there a way to do like both or? So by hybrid with us, it, it manifests in a few ways. So again, proof of work, main chain. At the same time, we reward people to stake. I mean, to, you stake Zen and, and launch a node, run a node. So you can look at that in a way, the block reward is being split in a hybrid model. You know, 60% to miners, 20% mm -hmm. to people that run you know, nodes and another 20% to this treasury uh, to fund operations and development. Now the side chains are all proof of stake. So if you look at that, that's a completely different world that we've introduced with Zendu which is really exciting from the, say, the token economics perspective of having, you know, in order to, in one, one way that we build this is a very secure blockchain ecosystem because to subvert an application running on the sidechain, first of all, you would have to hijack the majority stake. You would have to circumvent the zero knowledge circuit that generates a certificate on that sidechain. You would have to hijack the main blockchain's you know, hash rate. This is a completely different ballgame. You can't just buy Zen, you have to be running a massive amount of hardware to be able to you know, have the majority hash right there. So I just like the current model because it's a very sophisticated hybrid model where it would be very difficult to hijack the system. Yeah, it seems like you guys put a lot of thought into you know, how it's designed and expected to perform and whatnot. Did you guys, do you guys have any use cases as of uh, recently under on Horizon or are those mostly reflected in your guys' products or... No, we do. And the way that we've been doing this is I think a lot of the things that I've been saying, you know, on these types of podcasts are, are kind of new for people to hear because they hear yeah. Horizon, they think Zencash, they think uh, they're just like Zcash. Not at all, right? Mm -hmm. all the things that we're doing are more like Polkadot plus, you know, Polkadot marries Zcash and they have, you know, like a completely different offspring. That, that's how we are. We're, we're kind of like Polkadot. <laughs> Cardano Zcash blend in a way. And I say Cardano because the this consensus for the sidechains is actually Ouroboros Prowse built by the same R&D team behind Cardano. So it's like, we're, we're this, you know, interesting blend of technologies released you know, in an interesting way with 
Now, now we're going to test product market fit by getting partners and customers to start using the tech. And our BB team only maybe four months ago started this process of like getting people interested in what we're doing. And I, I can say we have way more demand for what we offer now than we can possibly service. And that's why we're building out a brand new product engineering team because we have such a big backlog on people that want to use this tech. Starting with probably the most mm -hmm. interesting use case is Celsius network. We're building for them a decentralized audit blockchain. So like imagine, get rid of the Ernst and Youngs and the PwCs and these auditors in the world that audit the reserves that a CFI app like Celsius has and replace that with a blockchain system using zero knowledge proofs that can cryptographically prove that Celsius actually controls all of the reserves that they, that they do by actually scanning, monitoring all the blockchains, starting with Bitcoin that they offer products in, scan all, blockchain, all Bitcoin transactions, reconstruct them on a horizon side chain in a, in a snark friendly way. And then you can actually and you generate proofs that they own all of the private keys and you know aggregate transactions to proof of reserves. That's the most interesting product we have right now because it's a decentralized blockchain version of auditing other CFI apps. And now you can extend this to audit private blockchains. And we also have partners now uh, interested in this product for, you know, they deploy their own private blockchain network with a consortium, some industry clients, and they, they want it private. They want the data to re reside in private, you know, private, uh, you know, their private network, but they still want the world to be able to verify what they're doing mm -hmm. in, in a privacy preserving way, because they don't want to give up the data, but they want the world to be able to verify the, the proofs that come out off of that data. So our product comes in, comes in there. Now we're also in the gaming space. We have a gaming partner. Um, you know, with Hero Engine, they're one of the, the old school big gaming platforms. Um, they're, they're one of our partners on exploring that, that vertical. Uh, and we're in others, digital invoicing, uh, factoring invoices on, on exchange. So we're, we're kind of working on like traditional finance applications. We're also launching a DeFi product maybe mm -hmm. later this week, you know, if that news breaks. So there's a lot going on and we're really testing mm -hmm. this in different verticals to see where we have the most traction. But I can say, we're getting the most traction by other blockchain projects that, that look at us as providing infrastructure to what they're doing. And some examples here would be like, you know, another product, like we just announced a partnership with IOTA and we're ingesting IOTA's IOT Oracle data into a horizon side chain. And now we can provide privacy, like, like zero knowledge proofs on IOT data that comes off the, the IOTA network. So we can go to market jointly with IOTA on IOT use cases once this product is built. So we're, we're really getting out there, but we're just starting to get out there. And I think the interesting thing about doing these types of shows with you is the market doesn't realize what we've been doing the last mm -hmm. few years. Not at all. Like they just look at us as a privacy coin, which, you know, there's really nothing that I'm saying here that, that speaks of privacy coin. Yeah. I mean, hell, I'm even learning a lot right now too, because it's been a while since I've been updated on everything, you know, Horizon's been doing so. Yeah, a lot of people are going to learn a lot from this. And it's good, too, um, because a lot of people want to know, like, how you guys stack up, too, like, versus Cardano, versus right. um, clunky old Ethereum, versus Polkadot, and all the newcomers out there. Um, how, do you, how do you guys feel that you stack up with them from a technological standpoint? Do you feel like you can scale just as well and that you just don't haven't gotten as noticed as much or... Yeah, I think better. I'll be bold to say we scale much better because we have a completely permissionless sidechain system. Mm -hmm. It's just, it hasn't hit mainnet yet. So once we hit mainnet and people realize what we're doing and we have these really high profile uh, use cases that come along with that, 
migration, I think it's going to be a shock to the market because no one's paying attention right now. But our tech stack from like the, the, the sidechain you know, world, you know, outcompetes the other sidechain platforms that are out there right now. Like if you want to launch a sidechain on Polkadot, which again, not trying to minimize Polkadot, fantastic, enormously successful project, mm -hmm. you know, tackling a, a really important use case with Ethereum scaling. We're not tackling that use case at all. We're, we're tackling like say the next generation problem. We're, we're not working on Ethereum scaling, but you don't have to pay $25 million to run a Horizon sidechain. You know, you actually just take a SDK and launch it yourself. Right. So it, it's a completely different world, completely different model. So if you want to like think, how do we rack and stack? We've got Cardano technology meets kind of like uh, a different evolution of Zcash technology. And we, we solve like a, a, you know, a, a market niche of like a Polkadot. So it's like, we've got Cardano, Zcash and Polkadot all in one stack for a variety of very pragmatic, innovative use cases that just aren't out there right now. Yeah, you make a good point in terms of you know, use cases um, undertaken by different you know blockchains and projects protocols out there, um, and then how you know Horizon kind of fits into that. W when you think about like the ideal market you want to attract towards Horizon, what does that look like? Are those companies, institutions, um, everyday people, or developers, or who do you want necessarily to use it the most? Yeah, so we're no, 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 we're we're targeting developers, in particular developers in the blockchain industry. So we're we're looking at very quickly mm -hmm. partnering across the industry. We have right now a dozen partnerships on other blockchain projects where we're providing infrastructure that they're just not tool to do. And in some cases, like IOTA, they don't want to add privacy layer into their their core protocol. They want to work with a partner, and you could look at us as creating like these layer twos on other protocols, but they're all using Zen. All right, so that, that's the interesting thing from a value prop for entering the Horizon ecosystem is we're like a decentralized marketplace for privacy services. It all uses like token economic Zen for transaction payloads, for staking. Um, you know, so it's we want to partner with the industry, not necessarily replace industry participants because we view our niche as maybe you know extending the things that you know. I, I think Bitcoin dominates in, in value transfer. It's hard to argue that, right? That, that's Bitcoin's niche. Ethereum does a fantastic job in the DeFi world right now, but they have some serious issues with scalability and, and cost scaling, right? Ours is different. So as, as transaction volume scales in our network, because we're sharing infrastructure and that infrastructure actually scales massively, average unit costs collapse. So our, our costs decrease on average with usage instead of increasing exponentially. So it's a completely different model. We are targeting the blockchain industry to start kind of like Amazon targeted selling books initially. We're gonna we're gonna provide infrastructure and services mm -hmm. around privacy to our industry. And then we're branching out into other industries to get them to realize, you know, public blockchains are where it's at. Don't don't focus on private blockchains, but even if you do, work with a public blockchain like us to validate that information. You know, use the world as a validator to make sure that what you're doing in the private network is actually real and following rules. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good approach too. And then, you know, you get a lot of, little bit more cooperation, I guess, in the space versus all the competition and, um, you know, fist fighting that's going on. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. And you mentioned DeFi a few times too. Like what are your guys' ideas in terms of what you guys may potentially want to do in DeFi? Well, I mean, initially, and what you're, you're going to see in the next week or so is you're going to see 
uh, a wrap to Zen product launched. And you're gonna see that trading in the right of the DeFi markets. That's not our, our innovation at all, right? We're just kind of keeping pace with what the industry is doing and offering these other types of services to our, our, our community. Uh, where our real contributions are going to be are melding privacy with DeFi. So if you think about, you know, and, and we haven't done this yet, but I'm, I'm just extrapolating what our platform could do really well compared to others is mm -hmm. imagine adding zero knowledge proofs to DEXs. Imagine adding zero knowledge proofs to, you know, stable coins, right? Could you imagine like a ZKP enabled MakerDAO, right? Or, you know, automated market makers where a lot of that activity is using zero knowledge proofs. So it's not visible to the world. This is kind of like, you know, a dream for uh, hedge funds out there that might be wanting to, to build these types of trading, automated trading platforms. So that's where I see our niche going forward. As we, so say like this DeFi cycle that's going on right now, we're just following the pack while we're focusing on the next mm -hmm. generation tools in, with privacy tech. When the next wave comes around, we're going to be leading that by adding these types of privacy tools into the next generation of DeFi products. Let me ask you a market question. Do you think that the market right now is in a bit of a um, another hype cycle like it was in 2017? Or do you think this is a bit different and you have, you know, some more legitimate um, players coming into the space that are, you know, building things and spending money and obviously putting money on their Bitcoin on their balance sheets and stuff like that? <laughs> Um, like, do you think it's different than 2017 or do you think it's could be very similar and we could have a fairly nasty um, jump off the cliff? I have no doubt we're going to have a nasty jump off the cliff. It just may be some years from now. So I, I think we're we're really and I approach this from I'm an academic economist and, you know, I'm, you know, some a CEO in with a, in a software company in the industry. Right. So from the entrepreneurial perspective, I see a ton of innovation yeah. and a lot just starting. Um, and I also see a lot of money chasing things that are just kind of silly. And, you know, maybe there's a lot of information asymmetry. Whenever you have a ton of information asymmetry, a lot of hype, you just have sky high valuations that don't necessarily track real world value. You get all of that in these types of bull runs. Uh, on the other hand, from like my, my economist hat, I'm looking at you know short-term interest rates or say like one-year treasury yields is something I think is very interesting because it's just mechanically asset pricing. Interest rates at zero, asset prices go to infinity, right? Not infinity, but lower interest rates increase asset prices. As long as interest rates stay near zero, I'm long on any type of risk asset there is, including cryptocurrencies, especially cryptocurrencies. From the economic side of you, under your economic hat, do you think that if the interest rates started going up for whatever reason, um, that that could induce crypto to potentially tank? Absolutely. Uh, but it's, it's not, uh, you know, deterministic. So that will be one force driving um, you know, risk assets lower it is just this mechanical relationship to rates and prices. Um, but you do have other forces out there. And you have this narrative in the crypto industry of Bitcoin is a hedge against inflation. We haven't seen that. The data doesn't support it at all. And people talk about, you know, Bitcoin is a disaster asset. Actually, my dissertations on, you know, Bitcoin and political risk and, you know, around the world, you see differences in prices mm -hmm. where there's greater volatility in, in you know, jurisdictional volatility. You tend to see higher, higher cryptocurrency prices. Right. So there is that aspect as well. But I think that the main driver for, for cryptocurrency prices right now is this risk on trade all over the world. Every risk asset is skyrocketing 
And when you have a very like new, not well understood asset class, everyone wants to come in. They don't really know what they're buying into. So prices just kind of go through the roof. I think if I'm just venturing a guess as my private citizen guess, don't, don't trade mm -hmm. on it is I think we're at the very, you know, near the uh -huh. closer to the start of the cycle and closer to the end of this cycle. Okay, that's an interesting way to look at it. It's it just moved so much. It's really hard to tell because 2017, it just felt like everything was just flying up and then came flying down. And right now, it's just like Bitcoin leading the way and running everyone over and pulling <laughs> everything up with it. Yeah. So it's it's been an interesting cycle. No, but there are differences. And actually, you, you mentioned this. I should have reinforced it. Is now you have companies like. Uh, you know, Tesla and you've got Jack Dorsey, you know, saying their companies are adding Bitcoin to their balance sheets. You have institutions coming in, new products, they're you know, pulling in institutional capital. Things are a little different in the sense that there's significantly escalated demand for cryptocurrencies and it's such a narrow market. Like it's not like, you know, Bitcoin supply is being soaked up. It's not being created at faster rates than, than meet demand. So I think, if we do see a cascade of companies, like if the trillion dollars in cash that corporate America is sitting on, even a part of that starts coming into Bitcoin, you're going to see prices you know, go up significantly from where we are right now. It's not a foretold conclusion that they will. Like many CEOs out there probably look at what we're doing and think we're idiots and there's no way they're coming into the space. All right. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. If there's a kind of, if Tesla's leading the pack instead of just an outlier, then it's going to be, you know, very bullish for crypto. Yeah. When you got Elon Musk on Twitter tweeting about Bitcoin and Dogecoin almost on a daily basis, and he's the biggest, in my opinion, the best innovator in the world right now, it says a lot in, in, about the direction of this space right now. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Honestly, I, I'm super bullish myself just to give you my personal perspective. Yeah, me, me too. It's it's going to be an exciting year for sure. The, the development across the space and different projects too, it's, it's been really cool to see. Um, and last year was tough with the pandemic, obviously. Did you guys have any setbacks, you know, trying to deal with that in terms of development and, and growing Horizon? We did, yeah. It actually resulted in a few months delay on our beta delivery last year. Uh, so we, we had a couple of developers actually got COVID. We had to shut down our uh, main R&D office in Italy. So that that was a bit of a trial for us to work through it. But actually, we, we ended up working really well remotely and, and things worked out uh, just fine. So, I mean, in I guess we're the right industry to be in during that type of event hitting. You know, unfortunately, many other people in different parts of the economy really suffered. So I, I think in crypto, mm -hmm. we've gotten out really well from it, but it's because we're a remote workforce oriented uh, environment anyway. Yeah, it almost felt like more got done in the crypto space through the pandemic than many other industries because everything can be done remotely. And it's, you know, it's mostly coding and sitting at your computer. So it's almost like people were forced to do more of that. So it's almost like it accelerated the space in a little bit. It's kind of weird, but that's just what the trend I've seen across the space. And every time I interview someone, they're, they're always like saying the same thing. So yep. it's interesting. Yeah, agreed. What, what's your guys' roadmap look like for um, for the rest of the year? Do you have anything other than what you said at the very beginning with uh, the, the updates for mainnet and stuff coming out? Are there any other like products or partnerships you guys are excited about or that you want to get out there? Uh, big time. So I, I can't really announce them <laughs> until until we make them public. But we do have this cascade of 
of partnerships that we're going to be announcing probably every week or two, you're going to hear a different announcement of a different partnership. Uh, basically, the way we're doing partnerships right now is we're choosing interesting verticals of where we think this tech actually adds value and maybe a difference of what we're doing compared to say, like, I mean, all of the, the activity going in the DeFi world right now is, you know, th there's a lot of real value in, you know, disintermediating finance. And, and that's happening on, on Ethereum for the most part with some other, you know, a handful of other chains. But the things that we're doing are providing these types of, you know, real world privacy oriented services for, around data integrity that are just, maybe they're a little boring if you think about them, like who thinks that an audit blockchain is super sexy, right? But actually it solves a serious problem out there. There are many people that are building these private blockchain networks that why would you trust anything coming off of a private network or a private database, right? We're actually providing this type of service where the world can be your verifier, right? So it's, it's very interesting and like our, where we're going, and this is going to be kind of a multi-year evolution, like starting this year with actual annual recurring revenue, something ARR is not a term that you hear very often in the crypto world. That, that's like a venture financing term where you're actually earning money and you're earning money by providing real services to a marketplace that's in demand and people pay you for it. They don't just buy your token, right? So we're, where we're going is actually providing these services to get these external revenues flowing in to the, the Zen ecosystem because we're providing services across the industry and then across like other enterprises, um, you know, in, in the world of audit, like we mentioned, uh, that's going to be a big deal. And I think that's the next evolution. Maybe that's not going to be part of this bull cycle, but as an industry, unless we're actually drawing in external revenues, if all we're doing is just kind of like churning through our own wealth and like getting people to buy your token, that's not really sustainable from a business perspective. So I think the next gen, and this is where we just kind of went right away and why we've been taking uh, you know, the effort to do what we're doing because we're going after getting real revenue in by solving real business problems, getting real clients. So you're going to see a cascade of these types of clients with use cases that are very interesting. They focus on, you know, the value prop for what ZKPs can bring to market. Uh, and, you know, that's going to be really exciting where we deliver that product into production this year and then next year, especially as we get this, you know, second product engineering team, you know, in full swing, you're going to see just a wave of these types of products and like Ezra SDK, hits maturity to production, people can just grab it and build their own blockchains. Like with us, anything you can code in Java, you, you can you build data objects on our side chains. So it's very flexible, there are minimal constraints you know, for doing these things. So I think it's gonna be actually a huge success once we get this thing to market. Yeah, super exciting with all the stuff you guys got going on. And um, it's really cool learning more about like all the stuff I've clearly missed out on, like an auditing blockchain. Like that is personally super sexy to me. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope, um, I hope everyone feels the same <laughs> way you do. Well, not everyone's as big of a nerd as I am. So I like, I see that I'm like, now that is, that's some cool stuff. That's some cool tech right there. <laughs> everyone else is probably like, who cares? It's auditing, it's finance. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Anyways, you know, where, where can, uh, people, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, I, I was just going to add the evolution of this industry since, since I've been in it was, hey, let, let's let's replace money like, or re reinvent the way we think of money. And, and that was Bitcoin. That's huge, enormous value prop for the world. And then you start getting into, well, we could do other things. We have this distributed network. Why don't we do like this world, world, world computer? You have Ethereum born and then you have these smart contracts mm -hmm. that do specific things. It lent itself really well to tokenization and you had a wave of ICOs. And then with all of these tokens out there, 
you can link them together on these like swap markets and boom, DeFi is born. You got MakerDAO, you're creating, uh, you know, smart contracts for stable coins and all these interacting with all these tokens with swaps and DeFi. I think the next evolution is mm -hmm. going to be solving real problems with the tech and think about the tech stack from really that, that primitive, what is the real value prop? What does blockchain bring to the world in particular public blockchain uh, and, and layer in, I think what's the critical missing piece is zero knowledge private, zero knowledge proofs for real privacy and where you can actually put a, a wave of new data onto a public ledger. That's where we're going. I think it's a very interesting evolution of where the industry you know, has got to go. Like we shouldn't be differentiating ourselves and saying, my token's more valuable than yours because you can do on-chain voting. My token's more valuable than yours because you can do this this feature. No, it's like, we need to solve real problems out there and get people to pay us revenues for solving those problems. Here's a good question. And then we can and then we can wrap it up from there. What what use case, what real world use case do you think is the number one thing that could put blockchain like on the map or that will put blockchain on the map? Because I know there's a lot of different things that it can solve and areas it can touch. Um, but just in your opinion, do you think there's one in particular that will give it the that extra nudge it needs to start, you know, really becoming a mainstay technology? Uh, it's so hard to choose your favorite one because there really are so many. Um, one that we've been focusing on because I, I, I think it, it's a trillion dollar opportunity. Whenever you, you have that big T, trillion dollars, like that, that's a real mover. Digital invoicing and getting, mm -hmm. getting these payment flows digitized and put on a public ledger so that you can start doing something with mm -hmm. the data. So imagine having like, you know, vendor, especially if you want to unlock capital in the third world. And, and there's a, a famous economist named uh, Hernando de Soto, a Peruvian economist, who wrote The Mystery of Capital. It was a really eye-opening book. If you think about, uh, there's so much, like he called it like uh, like dormant or dead capital just in the third world, where because they lack, um, you know, mm -hmm. basic property rights and, you know, uh, contracts, uh, legal system, contract enforcement and legal system, there's so much capital that doesn't get used. It's just dormant. If we can actually get, you know, like digitize economic activity, like invoices and payment flows across the developing world, of course, even the industrialized world, and start loading these things onto a blockchain in a privacy preserving way. So actually your competitors can see what you're doing. The world can see what you just bought and so forth, but still do things with that data. Like maybe factor these invoices. You can now connect merchants in, in Mexico with a hedge fund in New York that's willing to, you know, trade digital invoices from like Mexican small and medium-sized businesses. Merchants who would never in their wildest dreams have access to Wall Street capital could now have access to that in a fair, transparent way because their like record of economic activity is actually being stored in a public ledger that's verifiable by the world. So it collapses that information barrier that keeps people, you know, uh, efficient capital flows from working around the world. And just being in the crypto world, we, we basically are uniting the world, like collapsing these arbitrary national boundaries that, that restrict so much of traditional banking and finance and bringing the world together. And now that missing link, I think, and where I think the killer app is, get these payment flows onto you know the blockchain world in a way that preserves their privacy, but then you could do things like have international credit scores. So like that, that you know, uh, small merchants in Mexico City can actually have an internationally provable credit score based on provable records of payments that they've done over years. And now all of a sudden you can say, this guy is a higher credit quality than 
someone who graduated from Harvard and launches a business just because he has, you know, an expensive pedigree. Right. So it's, it's a way of like leveling that playing field in the world that I think is just so fascinating and value creating. Yeah, I agree with you. That, that is definitely an important one. I think for me, the biggest one is just being able to track where my food came from. Because <laughs> in the U.S., it's just it feels like such a huge issue. Like you don't have any guarantee that your meat came from the right place or that your salmon came from where they say it came from. Like I'd actually like to know, like farm to table or ocean to table or whatever the phrase is. Me too. That would be my favorite use case. I'd use it every day. <laughs> totally agree. Where where can people um, follow and and learn more regarding Horizon? Is the website the best place to go, or do you have like a, a Reddit or a Telegram or a Discord? Or yep, so we've got all of that, but Horizon.io, Horizon Z E N, because then the, the currency uh, mm-hmm. is .io is the, is the best mm-hmm. place, like one stop shop for everything. From there, you can kind of read all of our white papers, learn more about the tech if you're interested in that. Get our developer tools, find our GitHub if you're, you know, you want to go down that technical route, or join our community. And a lot of our community activity is on Discord and Telegram. I would say are the two most active community channels. Come hop in, say hi, you know, participate. I'm always on there checking out the chatter, seeing what's going on, mm-hmm. and our team members monitor it very actively. So come participate, be part of it. Perfect. Well, Rob, thanks for, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, you know, talk about Horizon, share a bit more about what you guys are doing. And I'm very excited to see how you guys stack up versus everyone else and, um, you know, what kind of partnerships you guys roll out this year. And uh, it's exciting times, exciting times to be in the crypto space for sure. Totally agree. Thanks for having me, Brandon. It's been a pleasure.